This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air. 2020, what a year has it been? It has shown the most dominant species on this earth that we are not invincible. There's someone quite powerful, crazy and unpredictable that we all need to watch out for. It has made the word virus the most familiar and dreaded word. Viruses are a type of parasite. I'm Anusha Beer, an invertebrate biologist, and I have always been fascinated by these minuscule, at times microscopic creatures that are capable of performing some of the craziest phenomena in the universe. Not only can some evolve quicker than medical science can keep up with, as in the case of the novel coronavirus, they are capable of a lot more. Some of these phenomena are nothing less than science fiction. In this series, I have picked some of the unbelievable wonders from the world of hosts and parasites to share with my listeners, focusing mainly on the parasitic insects, who I'm calling wild hitchhikers, join me as we enter a world of mind-boggling manipulation and trickery. From worms to whales, none are immune to deceit by their tiny residents, the dangerous wild hitchhikers. Stay tuned to find out more about these wild hitchhikers. In the last episode, we explored brood parasitism a wee bit further, looking at the cuckoo catfish and the spider wasps, who both bob off the difficult and costly task of parenting onto other organisms. Now, the spider wasps, they hunt their own spiders for laying eggs are simple parasites, but the ones that lay eggs in the spider's caught by other wasps, are no doubt brood parasites. But irrespective of whether they catch their own prey or steal someone else's, they are what's called body-snatching parasites. Before I tell you what this means, let me first mention that although I'm trying my best to categorise parasites and discuss examples in each category, The boundaries are a wee bit blurry when it comes to parasite groups. So a body snatcher may also be a brood parasite and or a mind-altering parasite or something else. Similarly, the spider wasp discussed in the previous episode is technically a parasitoid. A parasitoid is an organism whose young grow or develop within another organism called a host and eventually kill that organism. Whereas a parasite usually does not kill its host. However, it does harm them in some way, like by reducing their population or propagation, etc. 
However, this is not the only distinction. But anyhow, just to keep things simple in this podcast, I'll address them all as parasites. Okay, so let's get back to the term you have all been waiting for, body snatching parasite. What are these? Well, literally what it says, these parasites take over the bodies of other organisms, like the spider wasps from the last episode that take over the spider's bodies and turn them into obedient zombie slaves. Usually, these parasites also alter their victim's behaviour for their own benefit. As in the case of the wasp, a body snatcher does so to provide food and shelter for its babies. A peculiar kind of parental care, isn't it? This body snatching is no science fiction or a ghost story where a human is possessed by an evil spirit that compels the human to do its dirty business with no control or say of its own in the matter. This is real world. Let me begin with let me begin with a somewhat less grim example. This is the story of a hairworm which gets its name from the resemblance of the adult worm to a long, thick and luscious strand of hair. You can find an image of this creepy parasite on my blog. Hairworms are found almost everywhere in the world, including our own country. In fact, a new species of hairworm called Gordionis maori was recently discovered 
by an MSc student at the Otago University near the Rock and Pillar Range near Dunedin. Hairworms can be either marine or freshwater species. Cordionis Māori is a freshwater one. These worms are parasites of other insects such as crickets or grasshoppers. Or in case of Māori, most likely a parasite of wetter. The mechanism of infection is complex and it needs more than one host species. The mother lays the eggs in water where they hatch into free-swimming larvae that await encounter by their first hosts or the intermediate hosts. This host is usually a mosquito larva or as in case of New Zealand species, a freshwater invertebrate like a mayfly or a stonefly nymph. It enters this host when the host engulfs water containing the parasite larva. When it awaits encounter by its next and final host, also called a definitive host. This host is a cricket or a grasshopper or a wetter, depending on the parasite species. The definitive host acquires this parasite by consuming the parasite's intermediate host. But there is a problem before getting to the final host. These hosts are found on land, not in water. So how does the parasite get to them? Well, it arrives on land with its first host after it metamorphoses into its land-dwelling adult form. In this host, the parasite matures and attains its adult-like form. The parasite can grow many times the size of its host, but it snugly curls up inside this cosy host. Now, this is where the parasite turns into something like the evil spirit that possesses a human body that we talked about earlier. The parasite uses manipulation to alter the mind of its host to seek out water. Although capable of surviving on land without the need of a host as a free-living adult, needs to get to a source of water in order to mate. So it needs the host to transport it back into the water. That is why it needs to mess with the host's brain and compel it to seek out water. Not only this, it actually needs the host to physically be in the water where it can exit the host and find a potential mate. How does it achieve this?
it compels the host to commit suicide by jumping into the water. Once in water, the worm wriggles out of its host and seeks a potential mate, another adult worm, from a different sex. Once mating is performed, the worm is free to live an independent life. This non-parasitic stage is called the free-living stage. Once a mate is found in some hairworm species, the pair forms a mating knot, also known as the Gordian knot. The name comes from an ancient legend associated with Gordius, the emperor of Phrygia in present-day Turkey who constructed an intricate knot and declared whoever untied it should rule all of Asia. According to the myth, the knot was unraveled by Alexander the Great. These hairworms are fascinating creatures. Not only do they exhibit such complex life cycle and reproduction strategy, some hairworm larvae are known to exhibit remarkable freeze tolerance. They can tolerate temperatures as low as minus 30 or even minus 70 degree Celsius for weeks. Why do they need to withstand such harsh conditions? Well, this is because these parasites have a lot of waiting around to do before chance brings them to a potential first host. Seasons might change and they may be required to withstand freezing winter conditions, usually up to minus 10 degrees Celsius in North American winter for months. So freeze tolerance is a mechanism to assure survival and the ability to infect hosts after they are thawed out. talk about a parasite that has received much love from media featuring in several documentaries and magazines. They are better known as the zombie ant parasites. But some may be familiar with the name cordyceps fungus. But before I go into the detail about how this fungus infects its host, let me first tell you that the fungus cordyceps is just a single parasite species among many others belonging to the same genus. All these different parasites exploit and manipulate their hosts in their own ways. Let's talk about the fungus Orphiocordyceps sinensis found in Tibet. 
Its Tibetan name is Yatse Gengu. The name literally means summer grass, winter worm. What a bizarre name for a fungus, isn't it? But there couldn't be a more perfect name. It describes the strange life cycle of this parasite. Worm in winter, grass in summer. In summer, a blade of grass grows out of the head of what used to be a worm in winter. Picture on my blogspot page. This grass that sprouts out of the worm's head is the fruiting body of the parasitic fungus which zombifies the worm. The worm is the caterpillar of an alpine ghost moth and serves as the host of this unwanted hitchhiker. The fungus finds and infects its host by attaching its spores and penetrates the host body through specialized cells called apressoria. Here, the fungus may remain in symbiont relationship with its ant host for up to five years without causing any harm. Extreme Himalayan winter forces the ant larvae to hibernate over winter, tucked underground in the roots of their favourite plant, knotweeds, or milkweech. However, a larva infected by the parasitic fungus will remain on the surface. The fungus penetrates into the host's body where it begins to nibble on its internal organs. At this point, the caterpillar becomes sluggish. Parasite directs the zombie caterpillar into a position that is ideal for the dispersal of fungal spores before completely immobilizing it. The larvae acts like a vehicle being driven around by the fungus, not physically, but by mind control. The fungus continues feeding on the worm until it has completely devoured it, leaving only the outer skin, which provides the illusion of the existence of the worm. When warmer conditions return, the parasite emerges from the head of the worm and sprays its spores in the air. These spores parasitize new worms. Fungus has great medicinal and culinary value in China, and people are willing to pay a hefty amount for it. During the collecting season, all able-bodied men from villages near the forest where this fungus is found in Tibet have a single goal. Harvest Yetse Gengu. 
Nearly 40% of cash income in these villages are provided by the trade of this devious parasite. To give you a rough idea, a 2 kilogram bag of Yetzia Gangu is worth over 25,000 New Zealand dollars. That's very expensive. The most prominent use in traditional Chinese medicine is in tonic form to cure sickness and boost immunity. It is also used in curing asthma and TB and was therefore rumoured to cure SARS which is a relative of the coronavirus. I won't be surprised to hear rumours of its role in curing coronavirus making it even dearer. Species of parasitic fungus vary in host species as well as the strategy they employ for dispersal after enslaving their hosts. Another fascinating fungus is Unilatra lacy that parasitizes carpenter ants. This parasite is found in Taiwan. Infected ants walk alone and climb up a vegetation to a certain height, usually 25 centimetres above the soil. The fungus is on mission dispersal, keeping eyes on the prize. It needs to make sure that the position is right for dispersal. It uses sunlight to find a gap in the forest canopy to position the ant's head, which becomes the source of dispersal of millions of tiny parasite spores. Positioning it in open area allows better dispersal. Just one last thing to take care of, securing the ant so it doesn't get blown away in the wind. No problem. Like a witch with magical powers, the fungus makes the ant clench its jaws to the vein of a leaf in an eternal death grip. The transition from wandering ants to this death grip happens synchronously around noontime. Yet another species, Pseudoloide, uses a simpler technique for securing its host to the leaf. It ties the ant up to the underside of the leaf using its own tissue sprouting out of the insect's body. A gruesome graveyard of zombie ants is a common sight in areas greatly infested with this parasite.
this episode, we explored the ghostly trick of body snatching and mind manipulation by parasites. Next, we'll look at two more cases of body snatches. These parasites can change the appearance of their hosts and even perform surgery on their hosts like a skilled plastic surgeon. Join me next week in exploring these truly ghastly cases of body snatching. You've been listening to Wild Hitchhikers. You'll find podcasts of this series online at oar.org.nz. And if you would like to find out more about today's show or get in touch, check out the Wild Hitchhikers blogspot page at the Gaia's Girl, T-H-E-G-A-I-A-S-G-A-L dot blogspot.com. I hope to catch you next week with more weird and wonderful Wild Hitchhikers. Adios. This podcast was produced by ORFM Dunedin with support from New Zealand On the Air.